Hi, Creepers. This is Unexplained Oregon, a podcast with two best friends talking about all things creepy, the unexplained, and the missing in the Pacific Northwest. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unexplained Oregon. You can also email us at unexplainedoregon at gmail.com. We love our listeners' suggestions, and we love hearing from you. That reminds me, if you're a friend of the podcast and you want more people to find out about us, can you take a minute to go on Apple Podcast and give us a good rating? We appreciate that. Kim and I talk about real-life intense subjects on this podcast that could be disturbing to some listeners. We also use bad language. As always, be mindful and take care of yourselves. And here we go. Hi, Kim. Hey, Christine. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm so glad to be here with you. I know we, I feel like we always say the same thing. I know. (laughs) But this, we are really glad to be here and doing this today. It's true, right? Yeah, yeah. We were going to be together this weekend. We had plans. It's our annual uh, get-together at your house, um, but we haven't been able to do it the last two years because of COVID. They've ended up canceling the um, event in your town that that we've kind of had like this tradition around where we get to come up and hang out and then go walk around and look at antiques. And um, obviously for good reason, they canceled it because of COVID. Yeah, uh, it is a very huge event here in this little town. The whole town kind of devotes these booths to antiques, and we have made a tradition about it, but the last couple years, no. We decided to play it safe, uh, and, you know, if you don't have, have to be sitting across from someone, we just decided to play it safe just because of what's going out there, uh, which sucks, but, you know, we'll be together again soon, right? Yeah, definitely. It's just such a weird time right now with everything going on and our state, you know, has this, uh, you know, drought happening here in Oregon. And, you know, we know to prepare ourselves for the the fire season, but it just, when it came on here in Southern Oregon, it just, it's, it's like very uh, devastating, even though I know that there's going to be a period of time over the summer where it's smoky and you can't really and shouldn't go outside and do the things that you normally would do. It just always is like stunning to me when it happens because it's like the apocalypse almost outside. It's just the smoke gets trapped in the valley here from all the fires going on all around us. And... Luckily, we've had a couple of days where it's cleared up and you just can tell because people are outside in combination with like the cooling weather temperatures too. It's like we're all trying to take advantage of it. Yeah, I know you've had like kind of some fluctuations too with the smoke, right? Yeah, we we don't see it as much as down there, but um, it, it does take me back to like this time a year ago when like there were everywhere around us was on fire and it it was crazy. I don't remember growing up in Southern Oregon, the smoke happening every year though. Like it just seems like the last few years, it's gotten so much more intense. Yeah, it, it wasn't. We've, we are on, you know, we've had, I think, continual drought um, circumstances. So it wasn't, it wasn't like that. And when we moved back here a couple of years ago, I, I didn't realize this was really going on. Mm-hmm. We had come back to visit and, uh, and it was happening. And I guess I just kind of thought like, oh yeah, there's a fire, forest fire somewhere. But to realize this is like going on here every summer, this is kind of to be expected. And I, I think I heard somewhere that we're turning, I don't know if it's throughout the whole state, but they consider all year like 
fire season basically now. Oh, wow. Even during the winter time in a lot of our state, I think it's still, um, we still have to be aware. And I don't know that it's going to change anytime soon, if at, at all. Uh, and so that's that's been weird, along with COVID mm-hmm. and just the fluctuations of mask, no mask. I mean, we had like, what, two weeks where we didn't have to wear a mask, right? I still wear um, the mask. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you told me you were. I don't care. This is my lifestyle now. I'm going to wear this all the time, like... Anytime I go out and I was like, well, I'm going to take mine off for a little while. We got, I think, a, like a two-week buffer in there. Yeah. And then it was like we had to put them back on again. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really not that You never hard. took yours off. <laughs> but I haven't left the house, so it's pretty easy for me to wear the mask. I mean, I haven't. I've really, like, stayed. I'm lucky. I mean, my my work was very accommodating to everyone that could go home and work from home. They said, let's do it. Stay safe. We don't want to lose you. Thank God for that. So I really haven't had to go out. So for me to wear the mask, it really isn't that difficult. I'm not wearing it all the time, all through the day. I commend you. I know you're in the office a lot and you have to wear it all through the day. Um, but uh, thank you for wearing it. Thank you for wearing the mask and, and, and continuing to wear it want to say it yeah and I know that there's a lot of uh controversy around vaccination unvax unvaccinated and we're not going to go into that but I think we just we want I I know I can't speak for you but I just want things to go back uh to the way that they were you know before COVID and it feels like it's it's just kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster and and it's it's uh, hard to tell when that's going to change. For sure. But you and I will <laughs> <So> be here. <laughs> we'll be here. We'll have our masks. That's right. Uh, we want to say thank you to our listeners that have been reaching out and welcoming us back uh, during the second season. It feels really good to hear some feedback from people, to get some emails. And we've had, you know, some people requesting stickers. So um, we're going to get those mailed out. And of course, if you're interested in one of our cool stickers that says, you know, has our Unexplained Oregon logo on it, please uh, message us, email us, whatever, and we'll send one to you. For sure, for sure. And... I also wanted to say thank you to Maya, your daughter, for you know helping us last week. She came on, was a wonderful guest host, and went over the Bryce. Uh, I hope I'm saying this right. Last last Pisa case, um, mm-hmm. and uh, a missing young college student in California. And you know, I've I've followed that case for years. I didn't some of the information that Maya talked about. I hadn't heard so. Uh, thank you, Maya, for coming on. Uh, we'll continue to definitely have you on if you will come on and grace us with your presence again. That would be great. I know um, we've talked about doing a kind of a follow-up to that, right, Christine? Yeah, I am, and I think I said it in that episode, I'm super excited to do more episodes along the same line as you know people that have gone missing you know, with their vehicles abandoned like that, I find super intriguing. And then also Pontip had shared a document, a Google doc that she'd found off of Reddit where some person thought it'd be a good idea to, with her free time to create a Google doc of using like the uh, Charlie Project uh, website. She, I think it, I think it was a female, comprised all of like per state these missing people and what the circumstances are and um, if there were any known factors like they were you know suicidal they had health conditions so she this google doc is amazing it's a couple years old but there are uh, a few a few people from our state that are still unsolved and they went missing with their vehicles also so i know we keep bringing this up but I, for some reason, find it super intriguing because we've had these missing women in our state mm-hmm. that we've focused a lot on, especially here in Southern Oregon. We've done our Watch Out Wednesdays and 
there's men missing also. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't just a, necessarily a female thing. There are also men going missing all the time as well. Uh, but, you know, missing with their car or missing and then their car is just left abandoned. I find both of those very intriguing. Uh, so we're going to follow up on it to answer your question, Kim. Good. And we keep saying we're going to. But there will be some upcoming episodes about the subject, which I'm excited about. And, and we're not quite sure if Maya will come back for it. Maybe Pontip will. Maybe you and I will talk about it. But we're going to keep talking about it because there's, you know, there's missing people. So, so too many missing yeah. people in this I know. state. It's crazy. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to our first episode of this season, we covered Graciela Garcia, a missing mother in Hermiston, Oregon. Please go back and listen to that. If you could donate $5 to our GoFundMe page today instead of getting your coffee, we'd appreciate it. Like we're at this point just trying to get the word out there and raise money for her family so they can raise money for an attorney to get more information about their case. So please go back and listen to that first episode of this season. We'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah. And if you have <clears throat> any comments or ideas or you know anything that you think might you know you know after listening to that episode what do you think happened um we're open to a discussion on our facebook i, I think talking about it and keeping this energy out there uh is the key to i think it's so hard to have the exposure on the news or on a podcast or uh, whatever in the papers and then and then it just kind of gets forgotten mm -hmm. and so that's why you and I wanted to talk about the GoFundMe because I feel like that is something we all can actually you know contribute to if we're able to not everyone is but if you are like Kim said just most of us can or a lot of us you know we'll treat ourselves to a coffee what if we took that money and put it on the GoFundMe sure uh, I think that that's one way that we can kind of go from being like just sitting here listening and kind of being that type of participation versus like actually trying to figure out ways that we can help um, so that we're not just holding the story. We're actually doing more in a way that works for us and for them and kind of gives back a little bit. I hope so. And now I'm rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, girl. I hear you. Okay. So yeah, I, we're we're here today. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit of uh, we're gonna take take our podcast off subject. We've been covering some true crime, right? We we had missing missing Graciela Garcia that we talked about, and then we covered the Klein Falls axe attack. And today we're gonna. We're going to take it to a little bit of history going on in our state uh, and talk about the Shanghai tunnels. But um, and just it's kind of ironic that we're that we decided to talk about the Shanghai tunnels. You know, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11, that horrible day. And um, I, I I do try to watch the tribute once every year. And, and there's just so much going on. But yesterday I did actually sit down and listen to the names that were read off just so many names just so mm -hmm. many people were murdered that day and it, it was so sad but they had um, family members actually stand up and read off the names and then if they wanted to they could talk about their family member that had passed that day and it was very touching Mm -hmm. um, and just some of the stuff that I got away from it, uh, took away from it, this, this boy stood up and he was talking about how, uh, the cowards tried so hard to take away, you know, so much from us that day on 9-11, but they'll never take away his memories of his dad. And it was, uh, it was just a very touching moment. And, um, and then another woman stood up and said, you know, I hope we can all come together like we did on January 12th. And it was kind of a moment, you know, going back and talking about COVID and how divided we are as a nation, you know, 
here we are 20 years later battling this different terrorist, right? I mean, and and we are so divided as a nation Mm -hmm. as far as COVID, but if we all just came together and maybe battled this terrorist head on, you know, it's a different type Mm -hmm. of type of terrorist for sure. Um, Like we did on 9-12, you know, maybe we'd look different as a nation. I don't know. It was, it was definitely a good thing to watch. I get, I got really sucked into it as Brian was watching his duck football in the next room. I was watching this bawling and, uh, and, you know, just um, hearing these family members get up and talk about their loved ones was, was really touching but also really good to hear, you know, in 20 years, mm-hmm. another another man got up and said, you know, 20 is a nice round number. And we all are really good about remembering this day. But this is a day that we think about every day. You know, these are people. And it, it was just really touching, really, mm. really sad, but really good to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying that I, uh, for whatever reason, I was always drawn to watching the 9-11, um, you know, information or shows that are out there. There's so many. And for whatever reason this year, I just couldn't do it. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. And it's, it is, I can't, first off, I can't believe it's been 20 years. Yeah. I mean, we all say, we all remember what we were doing that day. And right. I mean, I had an almost one-year-old. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and as I sat there and watching this, like I, I have friends that are bringing babies into this world right now during this scary time of COVID. And I've actually thought how crazy they are to bring children into this world. But mm-hmm. I remember just focusing all my energy into my kids, you know, after this happened, Jaden was almost one and, you know, it was it was easy for me to to maybe focus my energy on my family and not so much on what was going on in the world. Um, it, it it's just crazy that it's been twenty years. It feels like yesterday. Everybody remembers where they were that day, and it it's crazy. Yeah, I agree, and I think we came together in that that day and you know or the day after you know in a way that that we never have that you and I remember because it was a big thing in our life nothing like that had happened before uh and it seems like we came together but uh I don't I don't know maybe maybe that maybe we did or maybe we didn't I mean I I don't know that we weren't divided back then on but it does kind of feel now that I look back at it and think about it, I feel like we were, we were scared Mm -hmm. and we, we, you know, we're scared now also, but yes, very much divided. And I agree with you. There's so much going on in the world right now that it's hard not to have like this existential experience sometimes where you look at what's happening around us with our environment with just everything going on the social injustice issues and mm-hmm. bringing children into the world seems questionable at times and I find people who are still choosing to do that very brave and mm-hmm. like and yeah I don't know maybe we we knew less when we were doing it it's like I didn't think about this stuff very much I just had had the kids <laughs> the girls you know, yeah, and my dad will be very happy with me that now, you know, that I'm older, I am thinking about history, and, and that ties into what we're talking about today, right? Like, who are, we're going to talk about a little bit of history of what's happened in Portland, Oregon, and what we've been told versus what really happened, and I find that very interesting. So, you know, as 9-11 what are they what are they going to say about it 100 years from now who knows what's going to be told about it we're finding out so much more information about it mm-hmm. like i said i watch it every year and and was mm-hmm. sucked into it all day yesterday but i i saw stories all day yesterday that i had never heard you know uh there's just there's so much more information to learn about it 
Thank you for listening to me ramble about it. Uh... <laughs> oh, we're both rambling. But let me tell you really quick, we had talked about an episode um, on the podcast Criminal. And it's episode 172, Roselle and Michael. I don't know if you, Kim, I don't think you listen to Criminal. But if you okay. haven't listened to this podcast, it's pretty good. This one is about kind of related to 9-11, which is why I'm bringing it up. Michael Hingson was on the 78th floor of the North Tower of the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. He says the first indication that something was wrong was the sound of a muffled explosion. Then the building began to tilt and he felt the floor drop like the elevator. But Michael Hingson didn't panic Mm -hmm. because his guide dog, Roselle, was calm. So he wrote a book and it's called Thunder Dog. And this episode is pretty cool because it walks through his experience as, you know, someone with without vision and how he like navigated getting out of one of the towers that day. And uh, if you like dogs and um, a lot of us do, this story is like, that's how I found out about it. My daughter messaged me and said listen to criminal there's it's about a dog and (laughs) I didn't know that it was about 9-11 or I probably (laughs) here I am trying to avoid it and then I get wrapped up in it it's a sweet story and it's pretty eye-opening in terms of like I'm not sure if that's the right phrase I should be using for this story but it is for me as a person who doesn't have to think Mm. about you know not being able to see and this really like was um i tried to imagine what it was like for this person without vision to navigate getting out of a ta- the tower so i'm excited to hear what you've researched today kim yeah so we're going to talk a little bit about the shanghai tunnels which we've you know we've thrown this subject out there back and forth that we were going to cover it i know at one point we wanted to go do a tour of the shanghai tunnels and definitely after reading a little bit about it i want to do the Mm -hmm. tour uh pretty crazy so i basically pulled a lot of my information from lovely youtube okay (laughs) i love the i love the youtube and um there is a portland local historian and curator that has a uh, episode out there on youtube his name is michael p jones and the the episode i called is called shanghai and Shanghai, the Portland Underground, I think is what it was called. And basically, Michael discovered the tunnels as a seven-year-old boy. He was introduced to them and um, kind of has devoted, with him and his stepdad went in and and devoted, like, uh, discovering these tunnels and coming out with this information of what really happened down there. Because this is not written history that we're talking about, this which is which I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this this is not written history. This is history that they've gained from going in and exploring these tunnels and ancestors that have you know had experiences during this time. So basically, our beautiful town of Portland, which it is a beautiful town, you know, named the Rose City, was founded in 1851 during the Victorian era. And uh, right on the banks of the Willamette River, Uh, it is a beautiful place. If you haven't been to Portland, Oregon, definitely go there. It's wonderful. A really good good place to visit. There's a lot of things to do, Mm -hmm. a lot of history, right? Uh, And uh, before I get going, though, I just want to... They talk a lot about this term called Shanghai. So why these tunnels are called the Shanghai Mm -hmm. tunnels, right? And basically there's a term in the dictionary uh, that being Shanghai means it was the practice of kidnapping able-bodied men and selling them to sea captains and forcing them to work aboard ships. So uh, as the story goes, uh, 1850, um, a, a ship would pull into port, into Portland, Oregon, right? And uh, they talk about these men called Shanghaiers, 
they would meet the captain at the dock and and they would say okay well i'm going to protect you i'm going to protect you and your crew from basically any harm that's going to go on in our city you have to pay us this amount of money and typically the captains would say you know go screw yourself i'm not going to pay you anything and he would let his crew go out and have a couple days off in this wonderful city, right? And usually during that time, they would visit the saloons in the area. And, and there were a lot of saloons in the area at the time. And so what would happen is there was a practice where these sailors and, and, and other men would come in and they were actually being drugged. Oh, man. And they had trap doors in these saloons and in these buildings. And they would le- take these sailors and these men that were being kidnapped and they would hold them in cells. So underneath Portland right now, underneath the buildings, there are these tunnels, right? And some of them have been... Uh, I guess, blocked off throughout the years through building. But uh, in some areas, you can still go down and see these tunnels and uh, where they had actual like cells Hmm. where they would keep men and hold them. And then these Shanghaiers would take these men and go back to the captain and sell them back to the captain. Okay, so you want want your crew back? We're going to charge you $50 a head Mm -hmm. to get them back. But before they did that, when they were when they had these men in the cells, they would drug them, and they would uh, and and so there was a lot of instances where they would uh, drug people and and they would end up dying. You know, they they had to come up with a system where they would knock. Basically, the person would have to be knocked out for thirteen to fourteen hours, get them back on board ship them and the reason why they called it shanghaiing was because the furthest port that the the boat that the boat was going would be shanghai so they would take a, you know these prisoners mm-hmm. basically these men now that are prisoners drugged up put them back on and then these men were basically forced to work on these ships for however long okay you know, and and live their life, which, which they talked about how long that usually was, and it usually was about four to six years. Wow. So if you had been, yeah, so if you had been Shanghaied, you basically knew that you were screwed for the next four to six years, mm-hmm. that you would be, you know, on this boat or trying to escape a boat. So, you know, it, it it's really interesting when you go back and you read all the stuff that was happening during this time, 1850, you know, in, in Portland, it was one of the biggest ports on the West Coast because it was a fresh water port. So I, I, they would come in and, uh, you know, there's descriptions of entire crews disappearing. Wow. Yeah. And, and then being sold and being kidnapped and, and it, this, a uh, YouTube episode I saw went into, they kind of talked about how this didn't really typically happen to women, right? They they were basically looking for men that could work on these ships, um, but they would definitely use women as bait. So they were using the women in the brothels as bait to get men in, and then they would drug the men, kidnap them, and then sell them back to this captain on this boat. Wow. Uh, yeah, pretty scary. Uh, you know, so there's there's a couple of different stories that he goes into where an entire group of 40 men went down and they were kind of being baited down. And what they thought they were drinking whiskey, they were actually drinking formaldehyde and they ended up dying down there. Wow. Uh, and 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 even though they were dead, those 40 men were still sold to the captain because, you know, when they were when they were typically when they were being sold, they were knocked out. So uh, they were able to still sell these dead bodies off. Just a lot of corruption mm-hmm. going going on of, um, you know, 
this human abuse, mm-hmm. I guess, that was going on. It's human trafficking, time. really. Human yeah. trafficking is what it is. Yeah, basically. Um, so, you know, it didn't just happen to the sailors coming into the port. It happened to the loggers in the area. It happened to sheep herders, cowboys. Like, it, it, it generally happened to men that no one would care about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh that no one would have a question if they came up missing. But if you go down and tour the tunnels, it it's made up of beautiful stonework, actually, and of brick. And it was actually all built by Italian stone masons that came in. And they were assisted by Chinese men uh, that came over and basically for their you know, for their way into here, they built these passages. They they ended up building a lot of our railroads. They cleared a lot of our lands. They built these tunnels. So um, it is, the tunnels, I guess, are built beautifully okay. with mason work, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, so really, really interesting to go in and, because uh, I had I'd heard, of course, of the Shanghai tunnels. I had never really understood what they were used for mm-hmm. but um to go in and 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 actually research it was very interesting uh another thing that's interesting is you know around the 70s uh areas of portland were kind of being revamped and uh, around 1974 old town pizza tried to come in and 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 build their place down there in downtown Portland and the city actually came in and forced them to cover up the tunnel underneath their building so you know there's speculation there that uh city the city doesn't want you to know Mm -hmm. of the horrific crap that went down underground you know why would they there's been years and years of this cover-up of what's what's going on uh you know, one other really crazy thing is they talked a lot about of cannibalism, I guess. You know, once these men got on board and were working uh, on these ships, uh, one of the things that was common was if they would run out of food, then they, they would go to the, you know, the first person that they grabbed mm. from the tunnel, wow. which was which was really sick yeah. to hear about. Yeah, just really crazy. You know, there was also talk about a doctor that was pretty instrumental. He knew what was going on and he was pissed about it. And he actually came up with a system where the drugs wouldn't kill the people. Um, and he developed like three different serums, small, medium, and large of opium. So they started using opium and they kind of, you know, if you were a smaller guy, you'd get the small bottle Mm -hmm. of opium. And so then the deaths really weren't as much after that happened. But, um, you know, up until 1941, the tunnels were open and you could go in and uh, it's just kind of crazy to go back and hear about the history. Uh, You know, they think that you know, when you go back and hear about it in history, they say about 1,500 people disappeared every year from the area. It's more like 3,000 to 5,000, I guess. Wow. I mean, it, it's double than what you hear about in history books. Sure. Um, they've looked, you know, there were these trap doors and these saloons that were just crazy. And really, it was a time where you just went into these bars and got, I guess, wasted off your ass. Like everybody just, Mm -hmm. the whole point was to go in and get wasted. Right. And, and so the people working there were in on it and their whole point was to get everyone so hammered that they were so drunk. And, um, there's actual like trap doors where they would just like hit a button and someone would fall through the floor. Wow. That's it. So, um, so on the on this video that you watched, were they actually in the tunnels, like trying to get around in there? Yes. Because I think, 
I've heard that many of the tunnels are like not even accessible, they're collapsed, they're like dilapidated. And, and even though there's tours that go on, I think they're even closed down right now and trying to decide how and where to go from here because maybe because of that, maybe because of COVID. Did you hear anything? I know it said, uh, I know there's a lot of them that you cannot access. Mm -hmm. But I think there are areas where you can still go down. Yeah. So I didn't grab the year that the, that this one was made, this video on YouTube. But if we could go down and do the tunnels, it would definitely be very interesting to go down there and see the history of it. You know, there was on this tour, there was like a baby carriage down there. Mm -hmm. There was like, you know, remnants of people yeah which which is so crazy there they talk about this one spot where there was this pile of shoes and they've heard like screams i guess from this particular area yeah kind of crazy so you know there has to be like some kind of residual energy going on down there of all the death and the corruption and the you know the crime Mm -hmm. there has to be Mm -hmm some kind of energy going on down there. Yeah, it was called Shanghaiing or crimping. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Kind of kind of interesting. They they talked a little bit about how they specifically like to seek seek out Native Americans <laughs> because um they were highly sought after because they were hard workers mm-hmm. and strong. And, and could basically, you know, be slaves, which is really sad. And maybe not um, missed, and nobody would do and, anything. And not missed, yeah. uh, which is really, really sad. You know, it, it just takes me back to, like, the history and what our kids are being told. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when my daughter was, I think she was in fourth grade, we had Columbus Day off and, you know, I was all excited because we had the day off of school and she sat me down and said, we're not going to celebrate today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my nine-year-old sat me down and said, Columbus was a very bad man and I want to tell you why. And I mean, for like the next two hours, she schooled me and told me, sure. you know, and I, and I, I can... I had never been told that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, my nine-year-old tells me that. So it's it, it brings me back to, you know, what what our kids are being told and what our kids are being taught. It's so important, right? Like, I mean, this, the Shanghai Tunnels, this information should be, should be known to people. Yeah, I, I think um, it's not because um, it's, you know, part of Portland's history that I'm sure they're not proud of. Uh, You know, there's, this is kind of the underbelly of, you know, there were brothels and, you know, different like gambling things going on in there. So like all the, you know, shady undertones of the city and, you know, maybe they, there there it's there's a part of this that's like mythical too like how much of this is accurate how much of it is you know maybe made up to some extent and and how do we know and like you said it's um it's really shared by people that whose families were involved or but it seems like there there's potentially some cover-up going there sure and there are local historians you know and he mentions in in this video that they believe that these tunnels were not built for malicious intent that these tunnels were built to you know maybe help conceal alcohol because you know the prohibition was going on and you know, local historians, some believe that these tunnels were built to transport merchandise from the buildings, Mm -hmm. you know, going on. You can believe that, what have you, but I just, I don't know, I'm not going to turn my back on what went down. I'm sure. That brings, that brings us to uh, another underground 
tunnel system that we just happened to bump into. I mean, the Shanghai tunnels are well known and and actually Mm -hmm. a listener had, I'm sure we've had more than one listener suggest that we do the Shanghai tunnels. And of course we we were trying to do something a little more lighthearted. I know, that's what's so funny. We're like, let's do something light this week. And we're talking about cannibalism. Kidnapping, crime. But uh, it turns out in Pendleton, Oregon, there's also some underground tunnels or a whole underground city even. And it, it made me wonder because you and I didn't share the information, like what you found out and what I found out. And I started doing some research on this and I'm like, well, this is probably the same information Kim has. It's probably the same type of system set up in Portland that it was in Pendleton, Uh, but I think it's actually a little bit different. So there is, you know, whole underground tunnel system in Pendleton, and uh, it wasn't until 1980 that potholes, like, started appearing in uh, Pendleton, and that's how they discovered that, that there was this tunnel system underneath the city. So uh, there are actually, they say, the two parts to the city, the one above and the one below. And uh, these, this, you know, underground tunnel system started in the late 1800s. Uh, basically, there was a lot of people here from China who were brought in to help build the railroad. And once the railroad system was complete, the transcontinental route from, I think it was from the East Coast or from Portland to the East Coast. So once they had completed that, there was no need for these workers anymore. You know, the workers were then competing with other people for jobs because they're hard workers, but they're out competing with everyone else to try to get jobs. And I think it's a little bit uh, interesting because they were competing with, and this was in quotes, native sons. So Mm. here they are with, you know, competing against the Native American people for job positions and it actually impacted the wages. So there was such an influx of workers that of course mm. their wages were low or lowered because of it. And I'm sure they were all competing for positions. So what was going on was that often they were, you know, mistreated by, you know, regular people in society that they were interacting with. They weren't considered citizens. Uh, they weren't allowed to own land. And there, they were, there was no more like further immigration going on. So once the railroads got done and, and they weren't needed anymore. Also, if there were any types of crimes committed against them, often the people doing it were not prosecuted. So they were basically targets. Uh, and they knew not to be out after dark. And so they started to form self-sufficient they call them ghettos, but that's really how like Chinatown, Chinatowns were created was to sort of have like their own area where they can kind of stay quiet. So they created these communities to stay under the radar, stay with each Mm. other. And it was in response to prosecution, really. And here's the thing, they were so good at it that we don't even know the total count in terms of like how many, you know, how many people were actually really living here or living in Chinatown because there was no way to really like document it or count it because they Mm. were so good at like staying low and like not being noticed and not being persecuted. Even though they were here, they had been brought here to do the work to help our country prosper they ended up being like villainized and persecuted and attacked. So they started creating these access tunnels to actually facilitate businesses amongst each other. Oh, wow. And in that same thing comes the brothels, comes the uh, opium 
dens. Yes, opium yes. dens, gambling, uh, you know, places. So all that also became a part of it. And obviously, like with prohibition, so there the seedy part of it also happened as well. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, I mean, the part that I'm adding in is not, I didn't read anything about, probably because it's in Pendleton, there wasn't anything about kidnapping, nothing like mm. that here. But this is an interesting, like, thing that kind of piggybacks your story that these tunnels, they were, they were really intelligent, you know, they were probably underestimated. Mm-hmm. They created this whole system to, like, take care of themselves because they became outcasts and they were in danger. Like it said that in Pendleton, they had to deal with the cowboys and mm. all the cowboys would come in and get drunk. And then af- at dark, they'd go after you if you were on the street. Um, we are not the most diverse state. I mean, we're working on it. I know we've talked about it before, but we were not kind for sure to no. these people that came in from other countries and I know we've talked about how some people also came in and did uh, mining here right and and mined for gold and these in different areas of Oregon as well Mm -hmm. often they would just I think take the money and go back home (laughs) but yeah I think I never realized yeah this was all created out of necessity Mm -hmm. for safety for security for connection to be able to do something because they lost their jobs so yeah yeah anyway (laughs) yeah really crazy i'm really glad we've lightened it up this week well and you can tour the pendleton uh underground oh you can okay i was gonna ask yeah it'd be interesting to go down there so you can go down and tour it yeah and the one it's i was looking up the shanghai tunnels are currently closed they're talking about the one in Portland, how to, um, you know, what what it's going to look like and if they're going to open them back up again in, to some, in some capacity. Mm. But I believe the one in Pendleton is still open. You can go look and tour and they have, you know, different things staged in terms of what it would probably look like. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that these have been underneath our cities right and it's kind of creepy and Mm -hmm. you think of what everything that went on you know and uh like you said is there there are people that have probably been murdered and crime and different things I'm sure it's pretty creepy yeah definitely I bet there's some residual energy going on down in Pendleton it's you know as I was reading about the Shanghai tunnels I I really got just sad about what you know the history that's being taught to our kids you know like I said before is not really what went down and it actually made me think about that podcast that you had mentioned stolen Mm -hmm. uh the search for Jermaine which is a really good podcast um and I finished it I don't know if you did but um it's about a missing young indigenous mother in Missoula, Montana that goes missing. But in one of the episodes, they talk about the history that's actually being taught in their area regarding Native American history Mm -hmm. and how that alone has affected how people in that area think towards Native American people. And it's really sad. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's an it's an injustice. It's it's not right. Right. Uh, at all I um, and the more and more that we do this podcast I think you and I are both coming to this passion of you know the right and wrong and you know what we perceive as right and wrong Mm -hmm. obviously and um, you know what can we do to get this information out there what we've learned and um, you know so yeah, we tried to lighten it up this week, right? But and and these aren't really light. So just just because that's what you and I are drawn to, we're drawn to the creepy, right? Um, but what I really, I'm glad we decided to talk about it today because after listening to the 9/11, the 20th mm-hmm. history tribute, you know, just 
about, you know, where we're going to be at 20 years from now or even, you know, 100 years from now. Yeah, I mean, what what other things are going to be discovered in terms of the the true history? What what pothole is going to come up in the street? I mean, that's how the underground tunnels were discovered in Pendleton. It was one pothole. Okay. <laughs> so, crazy. uh, you know, led to more and to think that that somehow got covered up or maybe it just was a myth and no, you know, it gets like forgotten about or just who's going to tell the stories. And if the city doesn't want people to know, then that probably pays exactly. a part of it. So the underground, the Pendleton underground tours are open still. Um, I just Googled it. So if anyone lives near there, I mean, you probably, if you live near Pendleton, you probably know about this more than we do. If you are from that area or you've ever toured the Pendleton underground tunnels or Shanghai tunnels, get a hold of us. Let us know um, what it was like. Have you ever gone under there like in Portland, you know, before it closed down or... I know, I don't know how some of these people are getting in there. I don't know if there's a way to like sneak in or something, but I'm sure don't there do is. that. Like in- We're not promoting <laughs> that. Please be safe, oh, everyone. Man. But especially if you can go on YouTube and watch these people going in. Exactly. Yeah. You can stay home without a mask on, watch YouTube yeah. and, and, and be safe. There's a lot of information out there. Like I said, I just pulled this one. So I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more information, but we definitely want like the firsthand experience. So if you've been there, uh, definitely email us and let us know. And if you do, we'll send you a sticker if you leave your address. (laughs) Yeah, we want to know what you all know. And we, you know, we uh, didn't want to go heavy this week, even though it did turn out kind of heavy, but it's kind of heavy <laughs> times know. right now. You know, it if is. you want to laugh, I suggest go and watch, um, you know, something funny on TV <laughs> in between true crime. Funny. Um, I want to, yeah. oh, I, I always forget the name of this show. I'm going to tell you really quick. Cause I want to know if you've watched it, what we do in the shadows. I haven't, but I will write it down. Oh, I think you told me to watch. Yeah, it's on. um, I want to say FX. There's 31 episodes right now of it. It's new season just came out. Uh, That's what I recommend everyone go watch after you listen to this podcast. If you haven't. um, Okay. Haven't seen it yet. It's pretty funny. It's yeah. I'm not going to say I think it was a movie first. So there was a movie out there. But yeah, it's pretty funny. And we need to find ways to laugh right now. So turn on your favorite sitcom like The Office. That's mine. That's our go-to. Or What We Do in the Shadows. What do you watch, Kim, for fun? I mean, I really don't watch True Crime. 9-11 Tribute. Exactly. The ID channel. Discovery Plus. The Travel Travel Channel. Channel. Every ghost show possible and Sasquatch show. Yes. And Josh Gates. But I'll, ch- I'll check this yeah. out for sure. Okay. Uh, I need it. I need it for sure. Thank you. And I'm glad we got on here and did this. I know. I'm glad we got to spend some time together. For sure. Okay. Until next okay. time. Thank you, Creepers. Bye, Creepers. Love you, Kim. <laughs>